0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Today, we're starting this new series called I Am. And the idea is that we're going to look at Jesus through the lens of his own words, through what Jesus calls himself, how Jesus reveals himself in Scripture in hopes that we would gain a deeper, um, broader, you know, better understanding of who Jesus is. And so in tandem with this, in our midweek services, in our midweek gatherings on Wednesday nights, we started a new study that we're calling, that's called Simple. And it's like this DVD curriculum, but it's super awesome. We bring tables in here, we sit in circles and have conversations with each other, rather than sitting in rows, listening to some weird guy with his pants rolled up talk at you. You sit in circles and talk to each other. And so it's a really cool opportunity for you to get to know people and to kind of share your story and allow their story to impact you and your story to impact them. And so I want to encourage you guys to come check that out, but we're we're looking at how simple it is to follow Jesus and how oftentimes it gets so overcomplicated when really it's just a very simple relationship. And so um, in this process, in this, this series that we're calling I Am, our goal here, our idea here is for you to have a better understanding of Jesus. And so I had this sort of reckoning when I got to Bible college. Uh, I was. It was the year was what 2002, I think, and um, I started. By, some of you are laughing because you're like, "Man, that's old," and some of you are laughing like, ha, "You're young, right?" So there's there's different people in here, whatever. But I think it was like 2002. I started this process of deconstruction, and so deconstruction is this idea that we have an idea of who Jesus is, we have an idea of what God is and what church is and what all this stuff is, but really it's through the lens, typically of like our parents. our grandparents, or maybe the church that we grew up in our whole life, and that really shapes sort of our opinion and our thoughts and our views of Jesus, and so when I got to Bible college and realized not everybody went to an ultra-conservative charismatic church like I did, I was like, whoa, there's different thoughts on this, there's different views of this, there's different kind of ideologies of who Jesus is and what he's about, and so I read this book, which is super interesting, it came out in 1995, which is before many of you were born, um, which is also very interesting. But um, it's this book by this guy named Philip Yancey, and he's, like, one of those, uh, I guess, like, feel-good Christian authors or whatever, you know? He's all over, like, life. What? No, is he not? Sort of, maybe? I don't know. Whatever. I read this book called The Jesus I Never Knew. It was, it was published in 1995. And when I read this book, this is, like, the actual copy that I read all the way back then, this thing, like, absolutely rocked my world. Now, if I read it today, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, Whatever. But when I read this as a Bible college student and it started giving me these new understandings and ideas of who Jesus is and that Jesus didn't walk around like this all the time, you know, or like this all the time, you know, like that he was a person and he did ministry and he had relationships and life and it really made Jesus come alive. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And so I want to challenge you just at the onset of this series, the onset of this discussion that if you've never Made a relationship with Jesus yours, if you're still living the relationship that your parents prayed for you to have, or you're still living through the lens of your parents or through the lens of your grandparents or your brother or your sister or even the pastor you grew up under or whatever, if that is the lens in which you're connecting with Jesus, I would challenge you to challenge that. I would challenge you to sort of break that mold and find Jesus for yourself and understand who Jesus is for yourself because it radically and drastically changes Everything and so, but it's a process. You know, I started this thing back in 2002. This process of of sort of figuring out who Jesus is. And so, when you look in Scripture and you say, "Man, who is Jesus? Who does Jesus say that He is?" He says He's a lot of different things, right? He paints himself with a lot of different brushes and a lot of different kind of ideas. And so, at first glance, when you look at this, you think, "Okay, straight up, Jesus is schizophrenic. Like that has to be what's going on here, right?" At first glance, you could think. At first glance, you look at it and you think. Okay, well, he's pretty contradictory because on this side he says th- that he's this, and then over here in this conversation he says this, and then in this conversation over here he says this. But at first glance, it can be very, very confusing. You look at it and say, okay, well, which one is it? Either you're this or that or the other. Yeah. Well, what's the deal here? But one of my favorite things that Jesus talks about and the way that he reveals himself is found in John chapter 8, and I'll get to that in a second, but Jesus calls himself so many different things. He, t- he calls himself the son of man. He calls himself the chief cornerstone, the bread out of and He calls himself bread. It's like, I'm the bread out of heaven, right? Some of you guys are like, I'm going to try that later on a date, man. That sounds great. <laughs> hey, babe, you're the bread out of heaven. Um <laughs> he calls himself the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the resurrection and life, the way, truth and life, the true vine, the first and last, the living one. So he calls himself all these different things and paints all these different attributes. But one of my favorite things is found in John chapter eight, and he's talking with uh, the Pharisees. And I heard a pastor this past week say that when you say the Pharisees, you should follow it with dun dun da. Right? And I was like, hey. That's good. I like that, right? So he's talking with the Pharisees and Sadducees, dun-dun-dun, right? And they are testing Jesus. They're debating Jesus. They're talking to him, and they're like, they're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him to sort of trip up and, 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 and flip, you know, what he's saying upside down and try to corner him and attack him and all this stuff. And so they're having these conversations with Jesus. And in this, they ask him, they say, who are you? Like point blank. Who are you? Because they've heard what people are saying that he is. They've heard some people say what he says that he is. But they come straight at him, not pulling any punches, straight up, who are you? And Jesus responds in John chapter 8, verse 24. And the way that he responds, man, I mean, it's almost like he went through his Rolodex and his brain. And he's like, what's going to piss these guys off the absolute most? This one. And he responds. And he comes back at them in John chapter 8, verse 24, and he refers to himself as, I am. He refers to these Pharisees and Sadducees, dun-dun-dun, as I am. He says, they say, who are you? He's like, I am. And then in verse uh, 58 of chapter 8, he says it again. He says, I am. And when he refers to himself in, in verse 58 as, I am, they try to stone him. And that doesn't mean that they handed him some marijuana. It means they picked up some rocks and they were like, we're going to throw these things at this dude until he dies, right? He dies until he's dead, you know? They're, They're coming at him hard. And so they try to stone him. They're so angry He calls himself the I am because what he's doing is he's referencing a direct thing to their their Hebrew text in in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses with the burning bush. And and Moses said, who who are you? He says, I am the I am. Tell them that I am sent you. And so when he says this, essentially what Jesus' answer is to these Pharisees and Sadducees is he says, I am, I am God. That's what he's saying to these dudes. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to compartmentalize him. They're trying to define him and make them fit inside of their parameters. And he comes back at them and he says, I am. Meaning, I am God. Meaning, quit trying to define me. Quit trying to put me in your box. Quit trying to compartmentalize me into what you want me to be. And so I think that's huge at the onset of this series that we understand that God, that that Jesus is God. And that, that concept is so much bigger than any label of compartmentalization that we can try to place him in, right? We, 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 I know so often we can get on Facebook and use Jesus as like a weapon, or we can use Jesus as like a defense, or we can use Jesus as like, you know, we talked about this a few years ago um, on Easter. We talked at all the different versions of Jesus that we subscribe to, right? And we put some pictures up on the screens. I don't know if many of you guys were here, because most of the people left our church after I did that, but... Um, <laughs> We put, <laughs> we put up, like, a picture of, like, hippy-dippy Jesus, right? And he's like, oh, peace, love, harmony, you know? And then we put up, like, a, a hipster Jesus, and he had, like, gauges and, like, the glasses and the flannel and the whole deal. And I think we put up, like, a, like a Sylvester Stallone Rambo Jesus. He's, like, the militant Jesus that, like, you know, a lot of Republicans subscribe to. Um, and so, now you can see why many people left our church after that. Um, but, you know, we have all these different ideas of Jesus, and we leverage Jesus and use Jesus in all of our agendas and all of our, you know, ways or whatever to, to sort of use him as leverage. But Jesus is saying here to these Pharisees and Sadducees, he's saying, guys, I'm God. I'm so much bigger than anything you're trying to put on me, any sort of box you're trying to put me in, or any way that you're trying to leverage me. And so all the names and and, and um, sort of identities that are given of Jesus from the scriptures, I want us to know that these are attributes. These are expressions of They're they're glimpses of who Jesus is. These are not definitions. These are not the sum total of who Jesus is. When he says, I'm the bread of life. When he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When he says, I'm the resurrection and life. When he says these things, it's not all encompassing. It's not a definition. It's a glance and glimpse of who he is. It's him revealing himself to us in small doses for us to go, whoa, that's incredible. And so that's sort of the goal of this series This week, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the resurrection and life. Next week, we're going to talk about how he calls himself the vine and we are the branches, and he's sort of our life source for that. In week three, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the light of the world, that it's not only for us, but it's for us to share with others as well. And In week four, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the full image of God, the full representation of God here on earth. And so what I want to do is I want to pray together. And then I want to jump into John chapter 11 and look at how Jesus calls himself the resurrection and life and what that means for us. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into God's word. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come together and to sing songs of praise and adoration to you. Thank you for the opportunity and the freedom we have to open your word and allow it to speak truth to us. God, I pray right now that you would soften our hearts and you would open our minds. That you would make us receptive to your truth. That you would use me as an effective mouthpiece. That you would move me out of the way, but use me as a vessel to speak your truth. God, I pray that we would leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and changed. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we're picking up in John chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you have your phone, you can turn there. Your tablet, whatever. If you're like most people, it'll be on the screen, okay? Uh, John chapter 11, it picks up this story of this guy named Lazarus. Many of you guys have probably heard the terminology of Lazarus or the story of Lazarus in the past. But basically, Lazarus has these two sisters named Mary and Martha. And you've probably heard about Mary and Martha, too, because a few chapters later, these are the ones where Jesus goes to their house, and one's like the busybody cleaning, going crazy, making all these preparations. And then the other sister sits at Jesus' feet. You guys remember that? And he washes her feet with... She washes his feet with her hair and and perfume and oils and all this, like, stuff, and then the the sister that's running around like a chicken with her head cut off gets all pissed, and she's like, Jesus, tell her to get up and work, right? And Jesus is like, no, she chose better, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That was Jesus in the form of Lego Batman. Did you notice that? I don't know what happened there. It just happened. Uh, Oftentimes, Jesus' voice in my head is Will Arnett uh, being Lego Batman. I don't know why, but that's, you know, that's my version of Jesus, I guess, (laughs) Um, so, so, so Lazarus comes down sick and he's got these two sisters that are, that are super concerned about it and they hear Jesus is in the region or whatever. Remember how I told you, um, that he was arguing with the Pharisees and he said that I am, and they tried to stone him. And so he takes off and leaves the region because these dudes are like, uh, like I said, they're furious. They feel like he's defiling you know, their God, Yahweh, and, and claiming the, taking the claim of the mantle of, of Yahweh and Elohim and, and putting that on himself, and they're furious about it. They think it's blasphemy. They think it's you know, just this terrible thing, so they try to kill him. So he, he flees the region, goes and does ministry somewhere else. Well, Lazarus and his sisters are still in this region, and they're like, yo, we need Jesus. Like, Lazarus is sick. Things are not going well. He's not doing well. We need Jesus. So they send word for Jesus, and Jesus is like, okay, cool. But he doesn't come. He continues doing ministry where he is for the next, like, week. And so the sisters are, like, frantic, freaking out, whatever. Finally, Jesus shows up. Finally, Jesus comes back to the region to address Lazarus and his sisters and the family and all of that. And he comes to them, and Lazarus is dead. It's too late. Jesus took too long. He was off doing something else or whatever. And so these sisters are just, like, devastated devastated. Their, their brother's dead. They hear that this guy's the Messiah. They've heard about his ministry. They know sort of a little bit about him and what he's got going on. He's doing ministry somewhere else, and Lazarus has died. And so Martha goes out to meet him, and she's talking to Jesus, and, and, and she's sort of burying her soul and saying, man, this is, this is terrible, whatever. And then Jesus takes this opportunity to give us an extremely powerful glimpse of who he is, And what's crazy is that when we're reading this story and we're going through, we miss this. It's so easy to miss this this bomb that Jesus drops right in the middle of this because it's sandwiched in so much theology and so much different like heady things that we can dissect and get into. But in John chapter 11, verse 25, Martha's out there talking to him and Jesus comes back and he says this. He says, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so oftentimes we look at this passage and we say, there it is, man, eternal life. If I believe in Jesus, you know, I'm going to live forever and I'm going to have eternal life and it's going to be great. And, 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 and that's great. And we look at this as life after death through Jesus, which is, which is cool and that, that's what it says. But if we focus so hard on that, we can miss a very powerful I am moment. That Jesus has here. Jesus starts this thing off and he says, I am the resurrection in life. I am the resurrection in life. Guys, this is such an awesome insight into who Jesus is because here's the deal resurrection wasn't an event, resurrection wasn't a one time thing like we talked about on Easter and the stone rolled away and Jesus came out and we sing Carrie Job's songs and it's like this great celebration, right? Like, it's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a happening. Resurrection is a person. Resurrection is Jesus. He says, I am the resurrection and life. And so Jesus, in this one statement, is dropping like multi-layer bombs in this passage. He's just like, and our minds should be going, psh, psh, psh. Right? Because he is just, it's so layered here. He's foreshadowing his own death and resurrection, which we know now, but Martha, she don't know that. But he's laying it out there, saying, I am the resurrection of life, saying, hey, this thing's coming, and the whole, like, you know, torture and suffering and crucifixion and resurrection, that's all coming. And so he's foreshadowing that, but then he's also forecasting the resurrection of Lazarus. Because when he's sitting here talking to Martha, she's broken. She's, she's thinking, oh, man, he's dead. It's too late. He's already buried. The stone's already rolled over the grave. Nothing said. So he's foreshadowing that that's coming up and about to go down. But then he's also talking about eternal life. He is talking about eternal life and the spiritual resurrection after our physical death and all this. And so Jesus is like mic dropping left and right as he's saying this one statement, I am the resurrection in life. He's making this connection that he is resurrection that Jesus brings life where there was death. Jesus brings life where there is death. It's not something that he does. It's who he is. It's this very powerful I am moment. It's not just a Lazarus thing. It's not just an eternal life thing. It's not just an Easter thing. It's an everybody, everywhere, everyday kind of thing. Because resurrection, like I said, is not what Jesus does. It's who he is. Things don't stay dead when they encounter Jesus. Things don't stay dead when they encounter Jesus. Jesus is resurrection. Where relationships are dead, Christ wants to bring life. Where dreams and hopes and aspirations are dead, Christ wants to bring life life. And so the end of the, the, the Lazarus story, you know, he's sitting there talking on the road to Martha, and he's like, okay. He, he, he Remember, he lays it out there. I am the resurrection and life, and you know, even though you die, you can have life eternal, all this stuff. And he says, do you believe this? And then he goes on, and it says in John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44, it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice. I can only imagine how loud this is for a dead guy to hear him. Can you imagine? how He's like, Lazarus! Like, that's what I. He goes from Lego Batman to like having a megaphone built in, right? It's Jesus. He can do what he wants. Jesus called out in a loud voice Lazarus, come out. So he yells at this tomb. He tells the dudes to move the stone and he yells, and he's like, Lazarus, come out. And I'm, can you imagine being the sisters? You're sitting there and they're like, I thought they said this guy was like all there. Like, what? My man's dead. We already wrapped him in the barrel linens. We put the oils, the, the whole deal. My, my man is dead right? Laying in the tomb dead, like stinky. The King James said he stinketh, right? My man is out for the count. It doesn't really say that. Don't look for it, okay? (laughs) Actually, yeah, go look for it. I'll get you in your Bible. Um, It says it. (laughs) My man's dead. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And it says, the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen And cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, "Take off the grave clothes and let him go." Think about this process that Jesus is having with Martha. Think about this conversation that they're having through this. He says, "I am the resurrection and the life," and he says, "Do you believe this?" And then he's like, "Check this out, Lazarus, come on out." Mic drop. Walks away. Right? I mean, can you believe where Martha? She's like. It all begins to click and come together for her. Jesus is the resurrection. It's not something that he does. It's who he is. When things encounter Jesus, they don't stay dead. And so some of us in here this morning, we feel dead on the inside, if we're being honest. We feel this on the inside. We see like we're almost as if we're trapped in some sort of shell or or in some sort of like proverbial tomb. And we're just waiting for Jesus to look in and say, hey, come on out. We see life happening for others all around us and we feel like we're just dead on the inside. But listen, Christ wants you to be alive. When we encounter Jesus, things that were dead don't stay that way. He is the resurrection. Many of us in here, we may feel dead to our sins. Sins being anything that separates us from Jesus anything that separates us from having a, a holy, pure relationship with God, whatever that looks like for you. And Jesus wants you to be free from all of that. Many of us, were in here and we feel like we're turned upside down and backwards and things are flipped up and jumbled up and so messed up that we're like, I, I, can't, even, I can't even begin to think about a relationship with me and God because I got myself all torn up. I don't know where I'm going. How am I supposed to figure out where he's going to follow him? Many of us feel dead in our sins, but Jesus wants us to have life. He is the resurrection and the life. He wants us to have life more abundantly. Some of us we feel dead in our doubts. Like I want to get down with this Jesus thing, but it's I just mm, my man today talked about a dude raising from the dead. I and we feel dead in our doubts. But listen, something we need to realize is that doubt is necessary for faith. Bob gave an awesome message on this a few years ago. That doubt is necessary for faith. If you didn't have doubt, what's the point of faith? If it's a surefire answer, surefire shot, and there's no questioning, then what's the point of faith? Some of us feel dead in our doubt. We don't need to feel dead in our doubt. Christ wants to bring life to your doubts. He wants to bring faith where there was doubt, belief where there was doubt. Some of us, we feel dead in our discouragement. We feel beat down. We feel like we can't make it happen. We feel like it's a two-step forward, three-step back process everywhere we go, everything we do. Negativity abounds, and life is just hard. Life is real hard, really tough, really difficult. And we feel dead in our discouragement, but Christ wants to bring hope. He wants to bring resurrection. He wants to bring life to that. Maybe you're in here this morning and you feel dead in the delay. You've asked God for things. You've sought God. You've you know, you bear your soul and your heart to him, but you're waiting for God to move and you feel like you're just dead, dead in the water, stagnant, waiting. But what we don't need to do is confuse delay with denial. Because for many of us, he might have us in a season of waiting because in that season of waiting, there is so much opportunity for growth and development and change and maturity. And so if we're feeling this morning dead in the delay, don't get it twisted. Let Christ bring life to that situation because Jesus is the resurrection. It's not what he does, it's who he is. And so if you're in here today and you're experiencing death in any sort of way, in any sort of fast, in any relationship, any area of your life, anything that you got going on, I want to invite you to encounter Jesus. I want to invite you to encounter Jesus because like I said, things don't stay dead when they encounter Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection. And so for some of you in here this morning, you've never encountered Jesus. You know, this is your first opportunity. This is the first time it's been laid out to where you're like, oh yeah, I I think I might kind of get that. Like, I'm into that. And if that's you this morning, listen, I want you to know that it's a very simple conversation and saying, hey, Jesus, yo, yeah, yeah what that guy said. I'm in. Right? Forgive me. Let me be under what you got going on, man. I want to follow you. You'll work it out, but to start the conversation, God, Jesus, I want to encounter, I want life where there's death. I want to experience resurrection in my life, in my heart, in my head, in my my surround. I want to experience you. Many of us in here, we've had that conversation before, but death has creeped in. Stagnant has creeped in. Delay has creeped in. Discouragement has creeped in. Doubts have creeped in. And I want to encourage you and invite you to encounter Jesus in a fresh, new way this morning. We've been ultra-intentional about carving out just a little bit of time here where they're going to lead us in another song to give you an opportunity to do business with God. So if you've never had an encounter with Jesus before, it's very simple. Jesus, let's do this. Jesus, let's do this. And if you want to talk about it, you got questions about it, come talk to me. We'll talk about it. But it's very simple. Jesus, let's do this. If you haven't had an encounter with Jesus in a long time, maybe life's gotten busy, kids have gotten busy, work's gotten busy, whatever. You're discouraged, you're doubtful, you're whatever. I want to encourage you this morning to open yourself up and say, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Bring life where there's death, bring resurrection. I don't want this stuff to be dead in my life anymore. I don't want this stuff to be dead in my heart anymore. I want to experience you in a new, fresh, and powerful way. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much this morning for your word. I thank you so much for your promises that you say as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. God, for those of us in here this morning who have never encountered you, I pray right now that you would send your Holy Spirit to wrap his arms around us. That we would experience the fullness of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your forgiveness. That we would encounter the life that you offer, the resurrection. God, this morning, if we're feeling distant from you, if we're feeling discouraged, if we're we're lost in the delay, we're lost in the doubts, God, I pray that we would open ourselves up to you and that you would send your Holy Spirit to meet with us right where we are today. God, I pray for every person in this room that we would encounter Jesus this morning, that we would encounter your resurrection, life, and power.